Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. Spend as much time with your customers. You have two customers, by the way. Your sales team, you have your actual customers. Don't cut corners on those. Ask them how we can help them all the time, constantly. And that should be your first port of call. Sales, how can we help you close more deals? What is it that you need from us? Real customers, the people you're actually selling to. And don't even cut corners by listening to call recordings. Go and speak to them and, and like have very clear questions on like the problems they're trying to solve now and why and what is it that makes us different versus us, the others in their eyes. What's up, everybody? I'm pleased to have Alex on my podcast. He'll get to tell you a little bit about you, but he founded this cool company called Reach Desk. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Hello, mate. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. I've listened to a, a ton of your podcasts and uh, now I'm finding on it. So uh, the pleasure is all mine. I want to get started in how did you found Reach Desk and what is Reach Desk for people who don't know? Okay, well, so look, for, for people that, that don't know, very simply, we're, we're a gifting platform. So we're, um, despite me being a Brit, we founded ReachDesk in, in London, but became a US HQ company very quickly. Well, almost literally after we, after we started it, because we saw there was a lot of demand for it. But um, ultimately what we do, we help B2B companies build deeper connections globally using the power of direct mail and gifting. So think of it as your one-stop shop for taking the headache out of sourcing swag, sending direct mail, gifts, so that you can ultimately do things like increase your response rates, accelerate pipeline, keep customers and employees loyal and happy. How did you come up with this concept? How did you, how did this get started? Reach Test was born out of not just mine, there are three other co-founders, but I got involved because this was something that was really painful to me. I'd been running account-based marketing campaigns so uh, I was part of a company called Agilic and we weren't, we weren't getting like the response rates we wanted. Our pipeline wasn't pacing too well. We were, I was starting to learn about this concept of ABM. Actually, I remember one day we had this quite disastrous meeting and uh, our CEO, our CRO, they kind of called me into a like, this isn't good. What are we going to do about this? And we were sending to enterprise companies, sending to like, the C-suite. I said, well, let's think about this. When our customers become customers of ours, when you get like a new CMO in seat and they kind of rip everything out. They want to start from scratch and put new tech in. So when that happens, we're going to get our ICP. That's going to be a key trigger for us. We're going to send like custom gifts to these new CMOs. And there was like this awkward silence for about a minute. <laughs> and I was like, oh God, have I just said something awful? And they were like, sorry, we're we going to use gifting to like increase our pipeline. I was like, yes. I looked them like deep in the eyes. Like, yes, that's what we're going to do. And they just started laughing at me. And like, you're an idiot this is a joke. And they're like, that's all you've got. And actually what I hadn't told them is we were already doing this in the background. We started a couple of weeks before. We were sending out these really custom gifts to like CMOs, CEOs, and our response rates went from like two to 3% to like 20, 30%. And so we were starting to like really fold in gifting into like our SDR outreach, our marketing campaigns. We were give, getting like AEs to do this. But the problem was, all these SDRs and like AEs were going on like shopping trips. So they'd take like company cards and they'd go and buy all these custom gifts. It'd take them hours to do it. They'd end up packing it all up. 
writing all these notes out. We didn't know what the impact actually was. We just knew it was working. And it was just such a pain to like do it. And then we were trying to do it across like five, six different countries. And in the end, it actually got shut down. So we were getting these amazing results. Uh, we were creating these amazing experiences for our prospects and like, our customers. But it, it was just like, we just couldn't scale it. And it was, it was horrible. So I actually met up with uh, my now three founders and we were talking about this amongst each other, like brainstorming pain we were all going through. And we were just like, it was kind of one of those examples where you literally meet in a bar in London. And, we, and that night we decided to build a company to like change this. And it was kind of just born there and then. And ever since we've just been going hard at it. How do you think about delivering moments that matter? What does that mean to you? Let's kind of set the stage a little bit because uh, it might be helpful. I constantly speak about this concept of how we live in the age of the customer. And this is like this this new age that we've been in. It was like there have been different evolutions over like the decades. And from like 2015 onwards, this age of the customer has been very prevalent in marketing. And it all really stems from this concept. If, if you don't deliver a great experience, people will they'll probably forget you. They'll, customers will turn you off. You'll kind of become invisible. And so... You have to like start thinking about experience, particularly when it comes to B2B marketing. I think B2C has been doing it really well for a long time. But like B2B marketing needs to put experience at, at the center of what they do because of this concept of like customers expect so much more. And I think there's this belief in, in the industry in general that if you have the best product that you're going to win. And I just don't think that's the case anymore. I think you're very complacent if, you, if you're taking that approach. So companies who value experience, right, who treat you accordingly, they're going to win your business. And so experience is, 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 is critical now. I think I read something recently, I think it was a PwC study actually. They said that 73% of buyers said experience is like a key criteria in their, in their purchase decision. And I think it stems from people buying with logic and justifying with emotion later. So that's the kind of foundation element. Experience is, is the foundation of delivering moments that matter. And for me, it's all about creating magic. Like It's about how we change the way people feel and moments are, are so powerful and I kind of explained this to you earlier um, I think I explained reach desk was born out of our frustration and automation and, and scale but actually what we really want to do we wanted to help businesses build deeper connections with with each other we wanted them to deliver what we call these moments the matter at scale because we realized that people wanted their expectations to be exceeded and we realized that delivering what people expect it doesn't make them happy and if you think about like an example in, in your day-to-day, -day perhaps, uh, you're probably not happy because like the coffee that you drank this morning tasted the same as it did yesterday. Let's say you went into like a, a coffee shop tomorrow and you got your coffee and then randomly the person behind the counter says, hey, look, your coffee's going to be free today because you were just kind to them. Free coffee is totally different experience that you're, that, you're, that you're going through. And I think we need to start thinking, thinking about things differently. So moments that matter actually stem from this. I'm going to give you an example that always plays back to, to this specifically. And it's actually nothing to do with marketing. I don't know if you know about this. There's a place in LA called the Magic Castle Hotel. It's essentially this average looking hotel in, in LA. It's got an average pool. Everything's like old and shabby. I think it was built in the 50s perhaps. But there's this, um, they've really nailed this concept of like moments that matter. The main one being there's like this cherry red phone by the pool. And it's called the Popsicle Hotline. And when you call it, Someone answers saying, pop the hotline, like, we'll be right out. And basically what happens is someone comes out minutes later, like wearing a suit, they're carrying a silver tray. It's got popsicles on it. And they're, you know, they're wearing like white gloves. They're dressed like a butler and everything. And they've really cottoned on to this concept that 
you have to shatter people's expectations. You've got to deliver way more than people expect. And they've done this in so many ways. Like they've got like magicians doing tricks in the lobby and just the small things. Like if you drop your laundry off in the morning, it will be in your room by the time you get back if you've gone out during the day. And so they've just really nailed this. And actually it's become like the number two hotel in, in LA. It's got like tens of thousands of reviews. I think they've really understood these moments. And this is what I'm preaching in marketing at the moment. It's like, how do we take that sort of inspiration of things like the hotel that actually appears to be kind of shabby and normal, but delivers these magical moments? Because if we can learn from those things, we can apply them in, in what we do in marketing and that's going to change the way people feel. And ultimately it's going to help us get better results. The one issue that's happening in marketing today is that a lot of marketing stops at a certain point. So like a lot of people are, oh, I my goal is just to generate pipeline. Mm-hmm. And then nothing after pipeline, nothing after sale, nothing after customer. Like the marketing is everything in the business. So moments that matter have to be from the minute someone experiences an ad or sees your product to all the way to like them using the, the actual product and, and interacting with customer service, interacting with account executives, all those moments, like little eggs that you put in your 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 product that make it fun. All these moments need to be thought about through the customer journey, not just, okay, how can I create a great moment when someone lands on my landing page and that's it. It's been forgotten. And this is what I'm really trying to like preach to people is like, let's be a bit more brave with our marketing. And to understand that, I think the best marketers I see are the ones that understand the full life cycle. Actually, one of the things I think we want to talk about today is how do you do this with like account-based methods? Because we don't all want this to be theory. And I've experienced this over nearly 10 years now. I think I jumped onto the ABM bandwagon quite early. I know it's been around for decades and decades, but the, the this concept of how you can apply these moments the matter within your go-to-market motions. I think it's very prevalent today. So I think you've just touched on a few things there. For anyone you know, listening, ABM is all about account-based marketing. It's it's finding your best fit customers so you can help create pipeline, accelerate deals, ultimately close revenue. I think a lot of people are starting to do it more and more now. But I think the magic behind it is potentially wasted for a number of reasons. And I think you, you've already touched on some of it. I think a lot of marketers are using it as like a targeted way to do perhaps lead gen, or they're just like, you know, they've got their ICP, they know who they want to go after, but they're just like serving them ads and they think that's going to change the game. And they just end up a year down the line falling flat on their face and it just doesn't work. Or you know, they might be doing really great ABM, but again, the focus is more like on acquisition of like just new pipeline. They're not even thinking about driving revenue or anything like that. So I feel like this, this magic of, of account-based marketing is wasted. And the evolution I'm seeing happening now, going back to moments that matter and experience, is that you can apply these foundational principles of, of what we built in, in ABM and actually apply them to the whole customer lifecycle. This evolution I think is happening now is we've been doing ABM for a long time and now we're doing the ABX, account-based experiences, which focus on this full customer lifecycle. And now marketing teams can start thinking about how, how do we like not just build pipeline? How do we accelerate deals? But how do we help grow customers? How do we help give them experience that makes customers raving fans and they want to stay with us? And these initiatives can be run in the trenches alongside like sales and now like customer success or account management teams. You know, the distinction here is about delivering world-class experiences across the full life cycle. 
but at the same time, like removing the friction, typically speaking in marketing, we've put a lot of barriers up. And I think that's the evolution I'm seeing happening now. Buyers today have gotten so used to the experience that they buy in their daily lives when they go buy in e-commerce. They used to quick service, great product, all those Amazon, all these companies that have good customer service, they used to that now. 10 years ago, they weren't, that was just becoming a concept. Now it's become like a reality. So if buyers are acting like that in their day-to-day as B2B marketers, you have to catch up to what the buyers are used to today. A B2B buyer is still a buyer, whether you like it or not. They're still that person who buys, goes on Amazon and stuff like that. So you have to think about what are these great e-commerce companies doing? What are the the elements that make it great? And how can I apply it to delivering my product in a great way? Also, the other thing that I always see that B2B marketers forget is that all these consumer products, what they're trying to do is stay top of mind and have experiences of entertainment and funny. So when you think about I'm hungry today, you think McDonald's. When you think I want a new shirt, you think whatever brand has been giving you those good experiences for years instead of thinking about that one touch to close, which a lot of marketers today are thinking. B2B starting, there's a lot of companies catching up to this, but I think it's accelerated with e-commerce that we have to start delivering better and better experience because that's what customers are expecting. A lot of the answers are already out there. What I try and do is try and replicate the things that my favorite brands do and then employ it into into B2B. In e-commerce right now, there's no friction. Like e-commerce services know that if they put any friction, if they like one extra field in like a checkout, will potentially reduce like drop off. But then we don't seem to apply this in B2B marketing. We like, let's take the account-based philosophy, right? The idea is that you know these are the right customers. Ideally, they're in market. Why would you then just put loads of forms up and say, we want your data? And so it's like, just remove the barriers, like take forms away. There are plenty of tools like Sixth Sense, for example, who can tell you this is the right account. You should be able to know who your personas are and you should be marketing to them proactively. Then what we do in B2B marketing is we just get loads of fields up in front of people and try and capture their data and we, we score them as leads. And then we forget about the accounts or the bigger picture. So that's one of the things I'm telling everyone. It's like, when you when it comes to like ABX, this concept of account-based experience, I don't think it applies to ABM too. Right, just go through everything. We're actually doing another audit ourselves at ReachDesk. Like, what are all the things that we're doing that are getting in buyers' ways? We realize one thing. We don't have a video on our website where people can like play around with our product. Like, I think it's 83% of buyers have uh, pretty much made most of their decision by the time you speak to a salesperson. So now it's your job to get all the information in front of them so that when they speak to a salesperson, it's really easy to buy. But what we do instead is we just say, hey, you want to see my product? Give us your information. We should just say, here's our product. It's really good, by the way. Our product is awesome. Have a play around with it. Oh, you want to talk to sales to see how much it costs? That's fine. But at least at that point, they're far more informed. So we're constantly looking at the things that remove the friction and actually allow buyers to make their decisions. And so that when they do talk to sales, they're kind of ready to buy. And these aren't, these aren't new principles by any means. These are things that business has been in for, for years. 
I was talking to a psychologist on the other day on my podcast, and he was saying that removing friction or making the buying process simpler is way more important than trying to create, motivate someone to buy. People just want that ease of going through a process that's way simple, that they can just understand what they're getting, make it easier for them to buy, have it buy. I think what's what's happened in a lot of organization is what happens is it's not some organization needs to be this, but they they become really seller centric. And what I mean by that is they make it easier for sales to sell instead of easier for buyers to buy. And when you make it easier for sellers to sell, then you add the necessary friction in the buyer process to make it easier for sale. Like you said, like get all this information so it's easier for sales to sell. Like add all this extra qualification processes in in the, the funnel that makes it easier for sellers to sell. Instead of thinking, okay, what you said, like put a video on your site, made them see your product, make an easy process to get them sent to sales, whether it's a calendar or a form. Don't make them go through eight different processes to qualify if they already know that you're going to buy it. And that stat you said earlier, 83%, if someone's coming to your site and they're ready to buy and you're adding extra friction, they're just going to go look at your competitor because you're just making the the process way complicated because the research they've done is already done. You just need to make they're giving you a silver platter. You just need to help bring it over the line and get that great experience like you were talking about. Yeah, I totally agree. Look, there's the remove the friction. As I said, we're talking a lot about the, 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 the experience side of things too. But equally, I've seen this and let's just isolate it to the world of gifting. I've even seen this go horribly wrong where like, gifting has become a big thing in B2B now. Like, SDRs are re- reaching out to people saying, look, gifting is part of like their outbound motion or like, AEs or even customer success. But what I see happening, again, we make the mistake of going, well, maybe we could use gifting as like a way of enticing someone in, but then holding it back. And let me give you an example. I see loads of ads at the moment saying, if you take a demo with us, we'll give you a $200 Amazon voucher. That's an awful experience, in my opinion, by the way. Like Doing that is basically like, I'm going to waste your time because I know you're not really in it to buy something from me. You just want the, the Amazon voucher. Whereas if you said to someone, hey, by the way, here's $200 on Amazon. And by the way, I know you're a massive Red Sox fan. So I thought you might want to Spend it on this. It's the New Jersey's just come out. That's an experience. I mean, if you don't want to take a meeting, that's totally cool. But I thought you deserve it. What people tend to do in return is they reciprocate. And so there are two very different things. And this distinction is, is becoming very, very blurred. So what I'm encouraging people to do is don't hold stuff back. Remove the barriers. Make sure you give first. Be helpful. And help buyers buy, ultimately. And that's what ABX is all about for me, to be honest with you. It's all about creating these experiences and doing it across all these different touch points of the full customer life cycle. And the results can be pretty astounding. A lot of people just forget and put themselves in the shoes of a buyer and what they would want to happen when they buy a product. And I was in marketing ops for a while and I, I got all those gift cards. And I, I'll tell you, I took demos just for the gift cards, not because I, I cared about the product. But the best experiences I've had was someone sending like said to me, I think I actually reached reached us. Actually, I think it oh, was it was it us did actually. If I don't remember, they sent me a box and was like, "Hey, I know you like love marketing. Here's like Seth Godin's book, like Purple Cow. Like 
here's like a, a mug with purple cow on it. Like it made me like more interested in buying Reese chess, even though like at the time, like we were in contract with somebody else. But I do remember like that's like one experience I do remember from a gifting process. And I, I've had multiple people ask me, like I can I don't know all the gift cards I've gotten. I do not know who they came from, but I do remember someone sending me a Seth Godin purple cow book because these I think I actually posted about like 22 books I love and I think one of them was Seth Godin Seth Godin's other book and I think they're like oh you should try this book and I thought that was like a great experience to have that they took the time to actually read my content understand who I am and then give me a gift instead of just assume that I want an Amazon gift card that's the best type of experience I think and the two have very different results right and the reason why we send that book, by the way, presumably, is I've read it twice, is because it's all about being remarkable. The purple cow is the thing that you want to talk about. It's the thing that you haven't seen before. And being remarkable is something that's worth spreading. And word of mouth is the most powerful channel, I think. You know, if you ask your network who you should buy from, you're probably going to buy from those people. But I'm glad to hear that we did our job right and, and, we, and we did it justice. I think every part of the funnel that you have to think about has to have moments of greatness and or like just moments of great experience like from ungating content to just delivering educational great things that help marketers or whoever your audience become better at their job there's little things you do it doesn't have to be big it just needs to be ways that you actually are helping and caring instead of forcing a lot of marketers are just in the game of capturing demand like people who are just already going to be in buyers. So like, if you actually want to go out and create great demand, you have to do things that are different, remarkable, fun, memorable, educational. You can't just rely on ad platforms for people to come in. Or when someone wants to make a switch or needs a gifting software today, you can't wait for those moments. Yep. You said it better than I could have. Uh, so I'm glad we're on the same page. What is a marketing hill you would die on? I would just keep pushing that flag up the hill that says experience matters. Uh, it's so underestimated on. I think it is as simple as that. It's not about automation. It's not about the data for me anymore. I think we've all got that nailed down. It's the one where I think we should always be thinking about experience at the forefront of everything. And I will fight that battle to the very end. Obviously, the experience is not just a marketing problem, right? It's every, it's a whole company problem. So how do you recommend people, like who owns experience at a company? Who must be thinking about it? Because a lot of, like, even like if you have a small marketing team, it's hard to just always think about every one of these touch points when you're trying to deliver revenue and stuff like So who, how do you get everybody on the same page to be like, hey, experience is what matters. How did you get the company to care about it from every way from marketing, sales, product, CX, every, the whole company? And who owns that? I've been through this with four different CEOs as a CEO. It's as simple as that. If they don't buy into it, you're not going to get anywhere. Because what you're going to do is they'll, they'll buy into it for a week. They'll drink your Kool-Aid for a week. And then two weeks later, they'll be like, right, give me more MQLs. There's a lot of education that needs to happen. And I've done it with two CEOs now. And honestly, it's changed the game. It's changed things that happened in our product. It's changed the way we do marketing. 
It's changed the way that our sales process has, has, has unfolded. Now, I'm in a very fortunate position in that I started this business so I can make sure these things happen. But even in prior businesses, I had to sit down and I actually uh, sent a book called The Power of Moments, which if anyone hasn't read it, please do. And I sent to our CEO and we used to speak about that every week, about these examples. And actually that hotel I described earlier was from that book. And when they embody that, you'll see significant difference. Don't underestimate that one. If you don't get the CEO to be bought in, you're going to be fighting a constant battle. But I believe it's marketing you. I believe it's the, the, the marketing leader that owns it, by the way. But the buy-in has to come from the person right at the top. And that's always the CEO. Any time you go to market, which I think experience is part of the go-to-market strategy. Like, hey, one of the, one of the mission of the company, like you have to make it a value of your company that we as a company are going to make, deliver a great experience for our customers and make sure if it's a value and mission of your company, then people, every party will buy in that, hey, we have to make a remarkable experiences for this person. If a marketing owns it, then they're, if marketing has to fight for it, then then they have to go sell every bit of the company. But I think what marketers can do is do small tests to show what it means to create remarkable experiences, show those tests, like even using reach desk or something like that, show the tests bring it to the company, bring it to the CEO, show and tell and show like, hey, we did X. We ran the small experience. We did X. This is what happened. We should start implementing more things like this across the whole organization. Usually it's, you have to start small to get big. And a lot of people think with everything, it's like, let's do an overhaul. No, just start testing with small things if your org's not doing it today. I think a lot of people forget even if it's a mindset shift, you still have to show moments. You can't just say, we're changing our whole organization day. It's a small little test that add up to these, the whole company buying into it. I totally agree. Well, look, you can do it and do an overhaul, but you might not keep your job. That's usually the challenge, particularly in marketing. <laughs> that hard part. But just like the, 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 the example I gave earlier, the reason why we were born as a company is because I was doing tests in the background and I showed the results. And what happened next is everyone was then doing it. They were like, oh my God, this works so well. And it just, it kind of cascaded. But yes, look, the, the, the testing side of things is the important part. Do mini tests. I, I often do them in the background without telling people. And then go and bring the data so that you've, you've got that as, as your ally when you're trying to make changes. Uh, test small. But I do also think that marketers, we can look into the data too much and overanalyze it. Just like keep it simple, be clear on what you're testing. So that when you do, you can bring those results to fruition. But testing is probably the best thing you can do. Just do it in the background. You make it important, important. I think a lot of people forget that data is not just numbers. It's it's qualitative and stuff too. It's getting an email that says this was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had at, from your company. Like those things add up and people think that it has to be like a 1% jump in conversion rate that is... Like we'll prove it out. No, it's it's those emails that your customers or prospects are just saying, "Wow, I am just shocked that you get you all did this." There's little little emails back because it starts as a feeling first, and then it becomes a bigger thing. Yep, one hundred percent agree. The, the anecdotal stuff is key. Last question I have for you is: if 
someone was going to start in marketing today, what is some advice you would give them uh, that will, they will come back to you two years down the road and thank you for? I've got a couple of things here, actually. One, ask for a revenue target. I think marketers who own the actual revenue number that comes on the board and share it with sales, those are the best marketers. And those are the ones that I gave this piece of advice to someone four years ago, and they still messaged me saying, thank you for like holding me accountable to the number, the real number, which is the revenue number. But like spend as much time with your customers. You have two customers, by the way, your sales team, you have your actual customers and don't cut corners on those. Ask them how we can help them all the time, constantly. And that should be your first port of call. Sales, how can we help you close more deals? What is it that you need from us? Talk to them because they're one of your top customers and your real customer is the people you're actually selling to. And don't even cut corners by listening to call recordings. Go and speak to them and, and like have very clear questions on like the problems they're trying to solve now and why and what is it that makes us different versus us, the others in their eyes. You have two customers, your sales team and your actual customers. But ultimately, the reason why you should care is about the, the revenue number, I believe. The best marketers are the ones that understand how to create revenue and aren't just the ones that understand how to create leads, for example. I think if you nail those things early on, you can display very different behaviors. I also think what you just said is that's how you become better at what we just talked about all along is this experience. If you own a revenue number, you start actually looking at the whole experience all the way from lead marketing getting attention all the way to someone going through the funnel to sales and uh, buying because you, you now you actually are held accountable instead of like, oh, look, I did my job. Now sales, you take over. I think you actually care about all those little pieces that we talked about in this whole podcast about creating great experiences at every single moment that matter. I think what you said too, I think, a lot of people, and I've been seeing this a lot lately, is like so many marketers f focus on how many people we can bring in and so many people forget about how do we keep the people we already bring in consistently and get a higher conversion rate. Like that's also part of marketing too. How can we up conversion rate? Because sometimes if you fix one little thing in the bottom of the funnel, you don't have to add too much at the top of the funnel to improve your numbers where could people find you where could people find reach desk well you can find reach desk all over the world put, put plainly uh, we're literally uh, we're in london we're in portugal we're in the us we're in australia we, we went global quite quickly but joking aside go to reachdesk.com that's that's where you can find most of our stuff and just me i'm not on instagram i'm not on facebook i'm not on twitter I only hang out on LinkedIn. So if you want to follow any of my stuff, just follow me on LinkedIn under Alex Ollie, and you'll find me there. Well, thank you so much for joining. This has been great and I enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for having me, Daniel. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating it helps bring more marketers into our community.